0: This episode contains talks about graphic events, so listener discretion is advised. What is going on, you guys? Welcome to Beyond the Buckle. Today's episode is based around the latest series on Vice called Dark Side of the Ring. This is their second season that they have released, and I'm pretty confident I can say that it's the most anticipated. I know there's only been two seasons, but considering last season was so good in itself. I think it built such high expectation for the second season to come in. And honestly, I think they delivered really, really well on this season. And they had so many episodes that covered topics that wrestling fans actually want to hear and ones that they may not have heard in quite a long time. So In this episode, what we're going to do is, I've got some viewer questions that I'm going to answer straight up first. Then I'm going to rank each episode of the season from basically 10 to 1, 10 being my least favorite, number one obviously being my favorite. And I'm kind of going to go into detail of what I liked in the episode and what I didn't. So, first off, these are going to be my personal views on the show. Now, they may not reflect your views, but they are personally my views, so we take it as it is, guys. Now, I'm going to get into these viewer questions first. So, first up was my buddy down here in Tassie, uh, Code 19 on Instagram, go chuck him a follow. Thoughts on Martha about not wanting to have Owen in the Hall of Fame? Personally, I think it is good and the foundation works. Honestly, man, I 100% have to agree with you on that one. Uh, For a long time, I'll get into this more later on in the episode, but for a long time, I was quite against Martha's views on Owen not being in the Hall of Fame because I am a massive fan of Owen and I always have been. And I always wanted to see him represented in the WWE Hall of Fame for his work in the WWE. But... As time has grown on and as I have investigated more and more into the circumstances relating to his death and the way that WWE is actually gone in the current state and the future with the Hall of Fame, I honestly couldn't care less whether or not Owen gets put into the Hall of Fame because, in all honesty, I don't know how much integrity it holds anymore And that's what they do discuss that in the episode. And it's been wildly discussed for years and years. Like you just have to look at the fact of how many factions are now being put in the Hall of Fame. I feel like they're now struggling to really recognize actual competitors from previous years That have done so much for the business, and you know all along Vince used to hate factions, and to get a faction past Vince as a clear way to actually start the faction, it was such a tough process, and he wouldn't do that easily. But now all of a sudden you've got all these factions in the Hall of Fame, and to me it doesn't make much sense. But I know I'm rambling on here, but I agree with you, man. Um, I I don't really think owen needs to be in the hall of fame he his foundation has that name to him that i think he would have wanted to be remembered by because as they go into the episode he didn't actually like wrestling that much at all if at all and to have the owen hart foundation helping people out with houses and getting scholarships and all that sort of stuff i feel like owen would be much happier with his name on that rather than a little silver plaque in the wwe hall of fame so great question man thank you very much uh this one comes from kayak straight uh who is alex he is my melbourne brother and i miss him immensely uh due to this whole COVID stuff so miss you man uh thank you for the question uh fave and least fave episode and why so <laughs> this is obviously peeking into the next little segment that we're going to do but My least favorite episode would probably, and this might be a little bit controversial because I know a lot of people look forward to it, and that was the new Jack episode. Um, As much as I liked it, I compared to the standard of all the other episodes. Like, this was not an easy decision for me. Sitting here and linking my, like, writing down my 10 to 1 took me about 20 minutes because I could not figure out which episodes could be ranked from from top to bottom because all of them were so good in themselves. But my least favorite would probably have to be New Jack just because I didn't have that much interest in New Jack growing up. And as well as the story was portrayed, I didn't know a whole lot about the mass transit incident and I didn't really need to, I guess you could say. Um, that's probably not the right words that I want to get out, but you guys know what I mean. I I, di- I didn't have much interest around New Jack, and that is probably the main reason why it was my least favorite episode. Uh, but as I said, none of these have been easy to rank from 10 to 1. But you may have figured from my little speech before about Owen that The Owen Hart episode was more than likely my favourite. It was a very, very tough call between the Chris Benoit episode and the Owen Hart episode. Uh, the The Owen one hit home a little bit more because it was a story that had literally almost never been told before on Martha's point of view and I've heard so many different points of view of the Owen Hart incident And the tragedies and what came out of that. But you've never directly heard from Martha herself, except for the lawsuit. So being able to listen to Martha and Oge and Athena talking about the way that they had a relationship with Owen rather than necessarily the fall in itself. Like it did, it did focus quite heavily on the fall, but there were so many aspects of it that you didn't necessarily know about Owen that hadn't been discussed before. And it really hit home for me being such a massive fan. I'm three quarters of the way through reading uh, Broken Hearts by Martha. And the book in itself is, it's heartbreaking. And to read it and what they went through is just, it, it literally breaks my heart. And I loved Owen as a wrestler and the way that I've heard him portrayed as a human just makes me respect him and who he was so much more. So that was my least favorite and most favorite episode. And that actually leads kind of into the next question from Ben Wyatt. I really hope I said your name right, man. Um, It's like W-Y-A-T-T-E. So it could be like wyatt Wyatt. I don't know, but I'm sure you'll tell me anyway. Uh, (laughs) um, Surprised there wasn't a sit down with Brett. Uh, in the Owen Hart episode, obviously. Uh, funnily enough, I've stewed over this question for a couple of hours now and I've thought to myself the reasoning why Brett would be involved in the episode and the reasoning why he wouldn't be involved in the episode. And I feel like the reasons that he wasn't involved in the episode outweighs outweighed the reasons why he would have been involved because Brett has really been the centre of the majority of the interviews and point of views over time from Owen's death and it's never really been about Martha and Martha hasn't wanted to talk before like it's been 20 years and the fact that that Brett for 20 years has majorly been the one to talk about his brother's death I don't like I completely understand him probably not wanting to be in the episode and not needing to be in the episode because we've already heard pretty much all he can say over 20 years of how much the incident affected him and what happened there. And you also learn in the episode and if you read the book that um, Martha and the Hart family aren't actually very close to each other and – Whilst Brett was the main one that she was close to, they have drifted apart over the years. So I don't really feel like there was a need for Brett to be in this episode. And in all honesty, I'm kind of glad that he wasn't in this episode because it probably just would have been the exact same stuff that we've heard for the last 20 years. And to have a different point of view was amazing and such a refreshing feel for for the whole incident. So I'm not surprised that he wasn't in there and didn't have a sit down interview, but you know, people have different opinions. I personally was thankful for that and I'm glad that we do have a different point of view now and this is something can that can be shared for years and years to come and we can only I guess learn more and more now because Martha has finally started to open up about it. And I don't blame her for staying clear of this for so, so long because this is this is her husband. This was her, her childhood, like, lover. How could you fathom this happening to that person and coming to terms with the negligence and the lawsuit and all of this sort of stuff? So I don't blame her for not coming out earlier, but... I'm so thankful that she has shared her story now and I guess as a fan I'll be forever thankful for that. So those are my viewer, listener. Don't know why I said viewer because you don't view this, you listen to it. So those are my listener questions uh, for today. So we're going to go straight into the next segment which is ranking the episodes from 1 to 10. So As mentioned, we've got New Jack at the bottom of the list and we've got Owen at the top of the list. So how do the other episodes rank up in my opinion? So at number nine, I have the Dino Bravo episode. At number eight, I have the Jimmy Snooker episode. Number seven, we've got the Road Warriors. Number six, Brawl for All. Number five, David Schultz and the slap that was heard around the world. Number four, Herb Abrams and the UWF. Number three and number two, respectively, would obviously be part one and part two of the Chris Benoit story. And of course, number one is going to be Owen Hart's tragedy. So I'm going to go into a little bit now on each of the episodes and why I liked and why I disliked. Each episode. So first off we'll obviously start on a little bit of a recap on New Jack just if you've joined us now um, but basically with, with New Jack I wasn't a massive fan of him growing up and I didn't necessarily know a lot about his work or his time in ACW or anything like that. So this was a new experience for me learning about New Jack and the main thing that I really learned is that he is a crazy bastard and not a whole lot changes from his in-ring career versus his outside life. Like it just seems to me that who he is in the ring is who he is outside of the ring. There's, it's not New Jack the character enters the ring and he's good to go. Like New Jack is New Jack and he he is literally just New Jack 24-7. And you kind of get a feel for that in the episode if you have watched it. And it's kind of funny to sit there and watch him being interviewed and just I feel like how agitated he was. Like he can't sit still. Like he needs to be moving around. And he he's just – he's a mad bastard. And as I mentioned earlier, I I didn't know a whole lot about the mass transit incident And I didn't really have an inkling to look into the mass transit incident more. I think it was a bit of a, I'm going to put the explicit warning on this one, but it was a bit of a fucked up situation on the part of the Bookers and also New Jack. Um, The whole thing just seemed like it went way over the top and didn't really need to happen but you know these things happen in the wrestling world and i just i don't know what to say on the whole episode because it was there was so much to take in in regards to that particular incident and what happened and what ensued afterwards and the negligence and all that kind of stuff so it's definitely an episode that you have to watch all all of the episodes that i talk about today must watch. Like if you are a wrestling fan, you must watch these episodes. And once you've done season two, go back to season one because the episodes in season one are just as good. If not some better in that series one instead of series two. So go watch both seasons because this show as a wrestling fan, I love looking back on, on the history and, certain things that happened and Evan Husney and Jason Eisner, the producers, co-producers of this series are fans and they have been fans for pretty much their whole lives. So they are doing what us fans actually want to hear. They listening to the fans and bringing us the content that we want to see. So these guys have done such an amazing thing with dark side of the ring. And I, Honestly, can't wait for season three and I I hope to God there's a season three and what's actually going to be covered in that because there's so much more in the wrestling world and these guys are going to absolutely kill it. So, uh, the Dino Bravo episode, which was my number nine ranked, uh, I didn't know a whole lot about Dino. Obviously he was, he was quite a while before I was, (laughs) I was even born. Uh so I didn't know a whole lot about Dino. I knew a little bit of his work in WWF, uh, but not a whole lot of where he came from and the Canadian scene. So learning about all that sort of stuff and the way that he was killed uh with the with the mafia, obviously, and 17 bullets is a lot, a lot of bullets to be to be shot with. And the whole the whole scenario behind his doors being unlocked and it would have had to have been someone that he knew or the conspira- all the conspiracy theories around it was just really interesting to listen to and learn about because obviously I did a little bit more research after I looked at that and the whole surrounding of it and they talked to the family and obviously the daughters are so distressed that they never got to grow up with a father. And when they were so young, they just reminisce on the time that they did have with Dino, even if it was that little bit of time and how great it was. And he's a larger-than-life figure. Like, Vince loved him because of his look. Like, he's huge. He was massive for his time. And at that time, obviously, that's what the WWF were looking for. They looked for the big, burly bodybuilder types. The The little guys didn't matter to Vince. And Dino Bravo just fit into that mold perfectly. And him and Jimmy Hart and the, the anti-hero, all that sort of stuff. So once again, definitely an epic episode to watch. So go and watch that. Let me know what you guys think as well. So Jimmy Snooker, who rated eight on my list. Um, I I was a fan of Jimmy Snooker for a long time uh, growing up and Obviously, his legacy lives on through Tamina, uh, who's a current WWE superstar. And I I knew about the incident with Nancy, but I didn't realize just how much abuse there was and how in-depth it actually got with him and Nancy over time. And I guess the thing that stuck out for me with this episode was how much the Nancy's family didn't actually like Jimmy and how how they didn't get along very well. And they, they kind of knew from the get-go that something, they had an inkling that something would happen. And that really stuck out for me as a big thing, that, that there wasn't a whole lot of trust of bringing in this guy into the family. And obviously they were so young at the time, uh, Nancy, Nancy was only t- t- oh twenty three, I believe. That's just from pure memory. Uh, was twenty three. So that's that's extremely young to be in a relationship with this guy who's always on the road. He's he's the biggest, arguably one of the biggest stars in the WWF at the time. All the drugs, the party lifestyle, all that sort of stuff just plays such a contributing factor into this and I didn't realize how much the family disliked him and how much backstory there actually was from their point of view to that incident. So I found that really interesting and it kind of shed a lot of light on the incident for me as a fan. And don't get me wrong, I'm still a fan of the in ring work and I think that's that's the hardest thing with some of these episodes is to distinctly like I, I had the word on the tip of my tongue. Um, I guess you could say distinct the person from the ring and the person outside of the ring. So you've got that character in the ring, like Jimmy Superfly Snooker, who's the baby face. He comes out. He, he thanks the fans with his kneel. That's also something that I didn't know as well that they touch on in the episode is that when he's, he comes down and he does the kneel and he he puts the fingers up in the air. It actually means that he's thanking, I can't remember if it was thanking or praying for the fans, um, but it was a gesture from him to the fans, which which I thought was a pretty cool fact to actually know. So that episode was actually quite an interesting one, and I feel like I could have probably ranked it a little bit higher on my list, but... As I said, it was so hard to to get this list of episodes from 10 to 1 with the justification behind each episode. So just excuse me for one second. <laughs> awesome. We're good to go again. So <clears throat> Road Warriors was my number one, two, three, seven. Ranked. I'm losing my mind here. Uh, so number seven ranked was the Road Warriors episode and whilst I was a pretty big fan of the Road Warriors growing up, um, I didn't I didn't know a whole lot about the, obviously I didn't know a whole lot of the behind the scenes because I was so young at the time that the Road Warriors were around, um, learning how much was going on behind the scene, especially I guess you could say the tension between the two, so between Hawk and Animal. uh, Obviously, Hawk had such a party, 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 go on the go lifestyle and he never stopped and that's something that you learn in this episode. And having learnt that and I guess how much Animal didn't like that and it caused a lot of friction between the two and ultimately it ended with Hawks untimely passing which was really sucked because it was it was way before his prime like him and Animal were just an amazing tag team and as they say in the business they are they're always oh no I've done it again they're always duplicated never replicated I think that's it so they can always make versions of the road warriors and try to build these teams up like they were are the modern day road warriors but they can never be what the road warriors were they they need to to break out on their own the road warriors are always going to be the road warriors there's no other team that can do what they used to do they were an amazing tag team they knew each other back to front and you could tell that from the in-ring work. And another thing that I also learned in the episode was that when they had, I'm 99% sure it was either WrestleMania or SummerSlam, and they came out on the bikes uh, in the UK. And it the fact that in that match, Hawk didn't know what he was doing. Like he was... He was so out of it that the finish wasn't right. Nothing went right in the match. And like, watch it for yourself. But the fact that all this was going on, it just show goes to show you guys that there is a person outside of the ring that may be struggling with things. And it's not always the way they are in the ring. They can portray like, you've got this big burly guy with the face pain and the spikes and all that stuff. But that guy outside of the ring could be struggling with so much and addiction and all that sort of stuff. But then he has to put on that face paint, put the spikes on, go in the ring and perform like, like nothing's wrong, like everything's all right in the world. And I think that's a big thing too that with the whole showing different sides of people. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode once again. Um, but there was just... <sighs> There's so much to learn in these episodes and some of it's really, really good and some of it is just so sad and I feel like that's with this episode is that you learn the sad parts of of what happened rather than necessarily the good parts and I guess I'm being self-explanatory here but they don't call it Dark Side of the Ring for nothing. Like, it's obviously about the struggles and the hardships that these people faced and what happened. So that that probably could have ranked higher on my list as well, but I'm not going to say it again, but you guys know how hard this was for me. So number f- six, six, yes, six, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, number six, Brawl for All. Uh, so I did not know much about the Brawl for All whatsoever because once again I was – not even around when the brawl for all happened, I don't believe. Um, it's like I'm second guessing my age right now. Uh, but I do have a lot of friends. Uh, a couple of friends actually messaged me after after the episode aired and said, oh, man, like I can remember when this happened and all this sort of stuff. And I was just like, this has got to be the most stupid thing that I've ever seen inside a WWE ring before. With WWF at the time, um, I I don't understand still after watching the episode why that went ahead. Um, I think it was stupid. There's a reason why you've got sports entertainment and a reason why you've got MMA slash boxing slash whatever you want to do that's real like real hard hitting knockout like this was not a work this was not them having people going out and throwing punches and and like actually working a proper match this was literally the name of it brawl for all like you you don't it's knockout it's knockout or be knocked out and the amount of careers that suffered from that night uh, I'm not not night the the entire tournament that it was like there's so many doctor death uh bark gun honestly bob holly is probably the only one out of there that succeeded a lot and jbl um there were so many even something that i actually learnt which was which was kind of interesting to me. Obviously, you've got PCO in Ring of Honor at the moment, and I didn't put the two together, but PCO was um, Carl Oulay. I probably said that wrong, but Carl Pierre Oulay, I think it was, and he was actually in the Brawl for All, and he's he's gone on to have a pretty successful career, but outside of WWF. At slash WWE, so the only ones that really benefit benefited from that would probably have been Bob Holly. Bart Gunn had a tiny run, um, which was pretty lackluster anyway. Um, It's just so hard to think of anyone that really benefited from that. And you hear Vince Russo and all those people talk about it to this day. Jim Cornette, and it's just. I can't reiterate how stupid I thought it was. So that's why that ranked up there in my list because of the nature of it, I guess you could say, and how much I actually learnt from that episode of what it was like back in those days in the WWF. So that was a really interesting episode for me. So my number five ranked was the David Schultz episode. So the slap heard around the world. And with this episode, I really felt bad for Dr. David Schultz because this guy was told to go out, be in character, do anything you can to stay in character because kayfabe wasn't a thing back then. It was you keep the secrets of the business or you're out. And Dr. Schultz was told by Vincent McMahon, to go out and do this interview and no matter what, stay in character. Now, you're telling me when an aggressive, aggressive man slash wrestler like David Schultz goes out to an interview and someone comes up to him and asks the age-old question, is it fake? What, what is he supposed to do as a character, as the character Dr. David Schultz? He slapped him Twice. And to me, that is in character. He did what he was supposed to do. He did what Vince told him to go out and do. And they talked to John Stossel, who was the the reporter for ABC 2020 at the time. And honestly, personally, it made my blood boil when I heard this man talk about the situation and he said that he went to one of the WWE doctors. And, like, the actual WWE doctor told him that he had a condition where basically, if you get hit in a situation like this and you're feeling this pain, basically, you're only doing it for money and you. You're only feeling this pain still to this level because you want something out of it. And John Stossel just laughed it off and said, ah, ha, ha, like this is, this is crap and requested to see an actual doctor. And so he, he went and did all that stuff. But then later on in the episode, he comes back on and he says something along the lines of, well, maybe the WWE doctor was right. I guess the pain did disappear after I received the $425,000 or whatever it was, the settlement. And I just thought to myself, you cannot be serious. Like that made my blood boil that that he was defaming this person for this reason and as soon as he got paid, magically, the hearing problem went away and he was all good to go. And... David Schultz lost his job over this, even though it was Vince McMahon who told him to go out and do this, which I found to be so contradicting in itself, to tell a heel to go out, be like this, and then get hit with that question and not do something about it, so... As I say, that's just my personal opinion, and this episode really made me quite frustrated, um, which is why it ranks up pretty high in my list um, because it was so interesting as well, and I really feel bad for David Schultz and could have had such an epic career in, in the WWF. But, you know, things transpire and things change, so it is what it is. But that episode really, really got to me on a, on a personal level of anger. So I commend Dark Side of the Ring for, for getting into the fans' feelings and really getting in there and trying to make us react with all this stuff. Uh, number four was Herb Abrams and the UWF. So I had no idea who Herb Abrams was or what the UWF was. Not a single clue because obviously that was way, way, way before my time. And I found this episode extremely interesting based off a couple of things. One being Herb Abrams' lifestyle and the way that he lived, which was like next-level baller shit, if you ask me, Um, and the way that how many like actual top stars – ended up almost going to the UWF, and some did end up in the UWF. But one of those major marquee moments in the episode, you find out that Andre the Giant actually signed with this company, the UWF, whilst he was still with WWF, and he signed with this this little promotion that wasn't huge. Like, this is Andre the Giant, the top seller like he's not a technical wrestler, but this Andre the Giant has signed with this company. How much revenue, how much publicity is that going to bring into the company? But, of course, Vince McMahon swooped back in, offered Andre a shit ton of money, and Andre went straight back to the WWF before anything could ever pick off and kick off, if you will, pick off. I don't know why I just said that. But it was such an interesting episode because just purely based around that fact and the demise of the situation and how he passed away and then all these conspiracy theories that he didn't pass away, he's actually still alive. And they told a story at the end where someone came up to a show and he had the little red cowboy boots on and and was asking questions at this, this UWF show and he's, just kind of smiled and then walked away and everyone con- was convinced that it was Herb Abrams, even after he passed away and that he was still alive because of those signature little red cowboy boots that he used to wear with nothing else usually, mind you, which you'll find out in the episode. But that was a really eye-opening, I guess, episode for me, kind of introducing me to that world of the UWF and what it was at the time and what it it was building up to be at the time, but I—that's—that would probably be the main reason why. Apart from the obvious two, that ranked in at number four for me. Now, these last two episodes, I may ramble on about, and they—they're they're both extremely close to me as a wrestling fan because both I kind of remember vividly, but for different reasons, and obviously different time periods etc but the first one is going to be the Chris Benoit uh, episode now obviously that was a two-part series so this ranks in at number three and number two for me I still remember the day back in 2007 that Chris Benoit had passed away and we we got the news and At the time, I was, what are we talking, I was 10 or nine, nine or 10 years old. I think, yeah, I was 9 going on 10. And I had Chris Benoit action figures, I had all all Chris Benoit stuff, and I loved him as a wrestler. I just remember my dad came home one day and he had a printed out piece of paper from work. He's like, oh, have you seen this? Obviously, back then I had no social media, I had absolutely nothing. He's handing me this piece of paper. I just remember looking at it and like, no, like surely not, Chris Chris Benoit. Like a couple of weeks ago I was watching him on the TV. What what the hell happened? And the older I got, the more it started to sink in because obviously being so young, nothing really sunk in at that time to the extremity of, of the incident. So I always still used to talk about Chris Benoit and all this sort of stuff and, and everybody would be like, oh, but he killed his family and all, all the tragedy surrounding the the deaths. And that didn't really sink in until I was much, much older. And I over time I've done a lot of research on this and I've looked at videos, transcripts. All this sort of stuff. And in a way, I feel so bad about the situation from both parties' perspectives, being the party of Chris and being the party of Nancy and Daniel, because the CTE is what really gets me. And at the time, being such a young fan, I looked at a chair shot and I was like, yeah, oh my God, like, this is so cool. But they were not protected. They they didn't get their hands up. There was nothing. It was a steel chair to your skull. And then there's this man flying off the top rope to hit you with his head for the end of the match. How many times did this man do that? How many concussions did he have? Like something that really stuck out for me was when they were talking to Chavo and obviously Chavo received the text message that said, the dogs are out back, uh, here's my address. And Chavo was like, it was weird because I already had his address. Obviously, he'd been friends with Chavo for years. So why would someone in their right state of mind text their one of their best friends giving them the address when they already know? Like that person's address it just seems to me that he had no idea who he was talking to what he was doing the state of psychosis that he may have been in whatever it was and the thing that hit me hard was the fact of how long it transpired over like we're talking days we're talking that nancy was deceased early then daniel and then chris like this this wasn't just a okay. It's happening like it's ten minutes and it's done. We're all we're all passed away. It was over multiple days, and I guess the thing that that really stuck out for me in this episode was the view from from David, who we don't hear much from, and uh, Sandra Toffolini, who's obviously uh, Nancy's sister, and hearing those two perspectives and to hear. Um, David still talk about his dad being his hero and that's never going to change because he can, he, he never saw that side of Chris. He, he saw Chris for what he was, not for what happened on those fateful days and to hear how emotional he gets and his recollection of it and all the events with Nancy and, and the same with Sandra and how they didn't really have much connection with the Benoits after after the incident. And to see the reunion between uh, David and and Sandra was so touching. And to have it, for me, I, l- I love AEW as, as a company, uh, All Elite Wrestling. And because it's fresh, it's new. But to me, this was another level of fresh and new because Sandra and David can come together and be happy at wrestling again but not at a company that discourages ever using the man's name and they don't have to do that. They don't have to go back to the WWE slash WWF and and all that sort of stuff because they don't feel welcome there. But with Chris Jericho and being such a good friend of Chris Benoit and the reunion and everything surrounding that, I feel like there may not have actually been that opportunity for David and Sandra to reconnect on a level of a somewhat love for wrestling, like, uh, if there wasn't AEW. And I... Just the reunion really got to me and the whole the whole story still gets to me so much because I remember it so clearly and I remember seeing the wrestlers' reactions like Chris Jericho, CM Punk, all those guys. Like Especially after the, the fact that it spiraled so much after Eddie passed away and he didn't have his best friend and the things you learn about the journal where he wrote to Eddie every single day. Like imagine losing someone so close to you that you cannot get out of the state where you can't let them go. Like having to write to this person every single day just to make help yourself get by in life. I just it's something that I could never fathom and something I guess we'll never understand. <clears throat> sorry. Uh, from the from the perspective of Chris Benoit, because we'll never know. Um, so these these two episodes really hit hard for me and I'm glad that they were at the start of the series as well, that they were episodes number one or two because it kind of set, set a tone and it was something that people wanted to hear about and it's not like they left it to the last episode to build up the anticipation or all that sort of stuff, but to have that story out there and from those other p- perspectives that we hadn't seen, like the same with Owen and Martha, um, you you hear so many perspectives on the story, but it doesn't. It's always from the same people, and to have this fresh new perspective really opened my eyes on some things. So I really enjoyed those episodes, um, and now we get to number one, which is. Of course, the Owen Hart episode, possibly for me, one of the hardest ones to watch. Um, I still remember when I was in primary school and you, you used to sit on the computers in the library and back when they were like big chunky desktop, hook it up to the home internet kind of style and I'd sit there and I'd just be looking up Owen Hart Owen Hart, Owen Hart, and everything that happened with him and the wrestler that he was. And obviously the biggest thing for me was the fall and what happened with the fall. And I didn't understand what had happened until quite later on, until my early, I don't know, you're looking at maybe 18 or 19 years old. And the more and more that I dug into it, the more... I guess, upset it made me. Um, and you watch, like, some of the interviews are just so hard to watch with, with Bret Hart especially. And they put this man's life and hung it 50 feet above a ring for a stunt that did not need to happen in the slightest. Like there's so much that I could say on this and obviously you might be able to hear a little bit of emotion in my voice right now talking about it but the fact that they they put this man so high up to parody stings entrance they didn't get the top rigging crew they there's so much negligence and i only learned this after i started reading about the lawsuit and started reading the book um Broken Hearts by by Martha Hart and I had opened my eyes so much to, to everything that didn't need to happen and how scared he was on the day and how he didn't want to do the stunt but being in such an industry where if you say no to the bosses too many times <laughs> you're on the chopping block like You go from main event player down to being a jobber and obviously looking after a family at such a young age, Owen didn't want to do that. Owen had his family's interests at heart and he loved his family so, so much and he'd do anything for them. Like I I always thought that Owen was one of the most gifted, talented wrestlers I've ever seen and man, he must love the business so much to be that good and what he was doing and to find out that he didn't actually love the business that much he was just doing it for a job because of the amount of money that they'd offered him and to find out that he went and looked at other careers and and wanted to be all these other things just it it just doesn't sit well with me with the fact that he died in the ring like especially around the circumstances that he did pass away being from such a meaningless stunt. And you hear Jimmy Corderas, who was the referee in the ring at the time, talk about in the episode where Owen was falling and all you could hear was look out. And then they pan to Jim Cornette and Jim goes on about how selfless this man was and breaks down completely like in his final stages of life, like he knew, he's falling 50 feet. There's no way that the ring is going to protect him or save him or anything like that. Like he's gone and he probably knew that and his last act was to to make sure that nobody else got injured. And then all you hear is Jimmy Caldera say that he felt something brush past him and then the next minute you're in the ring and everything transpired from there. And another thing that really got me in this episode as well was finding out that JR only had 10 seconds to prepare how to tell millions of people watching on pay-per-view that one of the top stars in the company, one of the brightest athletes and one of his closest friends had passed away. Like, imagine just sitting there and trying to get an update on someone you love and the next thing you hear is he's dead. And then you hear 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, and then you're back on live TV. And you have to muster up the courage. Like that, I will have respect for Jim Ross forever and ever and ever for for even getting out the words that he did at the time. Like that will always stick in my head. And the other thing that sadly will stick in my head is why the show continued to go on. I will never understand why that show was not called off straight on the spot. A police investigation launched and everything could have been sorted a lot easier than it was. But no, they literally pulled a lifeless body from, from the ring and swept everything away and continued on with the show. And something that I learned in this, this episode was actually that there was quite a divot in the ring And there was still blood on the mat. And I know the blood on the mat has been talked about for years as to whether or not it was actually Owen's or whether it was from a previous match. I know people have talked about the blood being Matt Hardy's. um, But the, the reaction from Martha seems to be that it was Owen's blood. And, like, this is an uneven ring. And imagine having to go out there, like, Jeff Jarrett was on next and he's cutting a promo in in character at the same time as his close, close, like almost best friend is literally on the way to the hospital, basically already dead. How hard would that be to come to terms with? But you just have to continue on with the show. And I've never agreed with that. I've never been happy about that. The show should have been called off straight away. Everybody should have exited the arena. And I know quite a few people did after the fall because you, you just you can't imagine sitting there and seeing a wrestler fall fall to his death and still wanting to go on with the show and continue watching the show. The thing that majorly shits me about that as well, that you somewhat see in the documentary, but if not, look it up on YouTube is that after, while they're still trying to give the updates on Owen, the crowd's silent, there's there's not much going on, and there's like these four or five idiots in the background behind Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, and just actually I think JR might have been, uh, Jerry Lawler might have been in the ring at the time, but they're just waving their arms, they've got their beers in their hands, they're screaming, they're yahooing, All whilst this is happening and I just, I can never understand what might have been going through their heads and whether or not they thought it was a work, whether or not they thought it was part of the show, but still, surely you would have some common sense enough to not want to get your five seconds of fame on television to just respect that for for that time being. Whether or not it was a work or, because if it was a work, surely you'd still think that it was real and be somewhat worried. Like I, I will never understand what was running through those blokes' heads uh, and it still shits me to this day. But the episode in itself just talking to Martha and getting Martha's point of view and Oja's point of view and they talk to Athena for a little bit and she talks about how much she doesn't like the wrestling industry because that's what took her father away. And it's the same as Oge. Um, Oge talks about the train and how he how he loves trains and he was meant to go to a show with with Owen and Owen blew off a show, like an actual a wrestling show, and said, No, look, the kids come first. This is this is what I'm doing today. Like I will come later. And so he went to that that train show. So family was always first for Owen. And It just, it breaks my heart for Athena and Oge. But you look at Oge and he's he's a spitting image. I don't know. I see so much of Owen in Oge, but I also see a lot of Martha in Oge. And personally, I think Athena's a spitting image of Owen, uh, funnily enough. And I just feel so bad for them. And the way they talk, they they do a little bit at the end where they talk, I guess to him, and you just see them both break down and it's 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 rough. It's a rough episode to watch, and it's really not easy if you're a fan or if you've if you grew up watching Owen Hart and seeing how much of an impact it was. And I know I'm backtracking and I'm babbling here, but there was also one more thing that literally just popped into my head that I just remembered was the fact that through all the legal proceedings, Martha actually still has the carabiner, the quick-release snap lock that was attached to Owen on the night that he fell. And the strength that it must take for her to, to have done what she did, like we're talking 24 to 48 hours after he's passed away, she's already looking into launching... A lawsuit. A week later, she goes back to Kansas City. She walks the catwalk with Athena and Oge, the exact same catwalk that Owen walked uh, to his death, basically, because she wanted them to not, I guess, not know what happened. She didn't want that. She wanted them to know what he saw, what were his last moments, so that they wouldn't be questioning it for the rest of their lives. And that takes some mad courage, like absolutely amazing courage to do because you you look at the whole story and then you look at those, those parts and you just realise how hard that would have been for someone. So I know I rambled on a lot about Owen just then, um, but obviously, as I say, he's one of my all-time favourites. The man just seems to have had so much respect from his peers, his family, such a family man wanted to get out of the business early so that he could raise his family. Uh, they they were almost they were meant to move into their new home four days after the incident. So you just look at all those factors, and I don't know how you couldn't possibly not respect that man and what he did for the wrestling industry and for life in general. And I guess you can see that going on through the Owen Hart Foundation. Which is just amazing. So that's that's basically this this episode. Um, obviously, I got myself a little bit emotional and worked up about the Owen Hart situation, but that's how I felt after the watching the show. So I guess I relate that guy that to you guys pretty well. Um, that pretty much concludes this episode. I. I really do urge you guys to go out and watch Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, it's one of the greatest shows, probably the greatest show I've ever watched in regards to wrestling and behind the scenes quite easily. Uh, but in general, it's one of the best shows I've ever watched. And I seriously cannot wait for Season 3 if there's going to be a Season 3. And as I said, after you watch Season 2, go back watch Season 1. Uh, there's just as many good stories. But I feel like they touched on quite a few more, I guess, up to date, I guess you could say, or more modern situations, majoritively in the second season. So I'm gonna leave it on this note, and I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, leave us, leave us a follow. I don't really know what you do on Apple Podcasts. I know that you can review the show. So if you can leave us a review, that would obviously be be great because then we can reach a wider audience. Uh, If you're on Spotify, give us a follow. Don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. But for now, I will see you guys on the next episode. Uh, Stay classy and we'll see you then.